My brothers and sisters in the Lord, this very brief section from St. Mark's Gospel is a section that offers a very profound message, especially as we examine the actions of the widow. The actions of the widow. As we hear in the Gospel, my brothers and sisters, Jesus is sitting opposite the temple treasury, the area where the collection is taken, where people make their offerings to the temple. And as Jesus is watching this event unfold, he notes that there are many wealthy people who are offering great amounts of money. In fact, in that period of time, so that everyone else knew how much they were offering, they would often use larger coins. So that as the coins went in, there was a lot of clanging going on. And the more noise you heard, people would say, oh, that person gave a lot of money. But then Jesus notices the widow. And it's very interesting, my brothers and sisters, because if it was not for Jesus, I wonder if anyone would have noticed the widow. And the widow goes and she makes her offering. And her offering is two small coins. We refer to it as the widow's mite. Not very much, probably worth a cent or two. And Jesus commends the widow. We heard it in the gospel today. Calls his disciples to himself. And he says, amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury. For they all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. You see, my brothers and sisters, one of the very profound messages in the gospel today is that when it, when it comes to generosity, when it comes to being generous to the Lord and to his people, God does not measure how much we give. God does not measure how much we give. God measures how much we have left over. Because for a gift to be sacrificial, for a gift to truly be generous, we have to be able to give not out of our surplus, where we have a lot left over, so it really doesn't matter what we give, but we have to give out of our need. And that's what the widow did. She gave out of her poverty. And as we examine the actions of the widow, my brothers and sisters, I would like to propose three things that we can take away from the widow's actions this morning. The first thing I would like to propose to you is this, and it may not be as clear as the other two, but I do think it has a profound meaning in our life. The first thing I would like to say is, is that from the actions of the widow, she has forgiven God. She has forgiven God. Now you may say that sounds strange, but follow me here along the path. She is a widow. She lost her husband. Many of you in the church, my brothers and sisters, you are widows. Some of you may have lost other individuals, children, grandchildren, brothers or sisters, mothers or fathers. We have all gone through loss. But this widow, even in the midst of her loss, she's still able to make her offering to God. Many of you may be familiar with what we call the five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Now, we don't have time to go through all five stages of grief, but the second stage is often the stage where many people come to see me, and it's the stage of anger. And oftentimes, they are angry when someone has died. 
They're angry at the person who has died because the person left them. They're angry at themselves because maybe they should have done more or maybe they should have noticed something or maybe they should have called the doctor or maybe they should have said something that they didn't say. And the third thing is oftentimes they're angry at God. Why did God allow this to happen? But you see, my brothers and sisters, the widow has gotten past any anger because the widow is still able to make an offering to God even though she has lost her husband. And I'm sure she has other losses in her life. And that's a very profound message for all of us because all of us have gone through times of grief. And in those times of grief, are we a people of faith able to rely on the power and presence of Jesus to make all things new? Do we truly believe that in our Father's house there are many mansions and many dwelling places and the Lord has gone to prepare a place? Or are we sitting in our anger? It's like the little story of the young boy. As the man was walking down the street, he saw this young boy in the tree. And this young boy had leaves in one hand and string in the other hand. And he was tying the leaves back to the tree. And the man thought that was very strange. So he asked the young boy, what are you doing? And the young boy said to him, well, the doctor came. And he said to my parents that my sister would probably pass before the last leaf fell off the tree. So he was tying the leaves back on. You see, my friends, we all deal with grief in different ways. But this particular widow was able to move forward with the Lord. I think that's something important for all of us to remember this day when we experience times of grief. That's the first point. The second point, my brothers and sisters, is this. We can tell that the widow totally trusted God. She totally trusted in the Lord. Because in Jesus' time, if you were a widow, there was no social security. There was no government programs. There were no social programs. If you didn't have children to take care of you, if you didn't have other family members to take you in, you were on the fringes of society. And from the way Jesus describes the widow, she was on the fringes of society. She was a poor widow. She wasn't coming to the treasury with her designer handbag. But she was giving out of her poverty. She totally trusted that God was going to provide, whether here on this earth or in the kingdom to come. When I was doing my internship at St. Peter Claver, they would often sing old spirituals. And one of the spirituals that they would sing at times was the one that's called I Got Shoes. I Got Shoes, and it was an old African spiritual because during slavery, the slaves didn't have shoes. But the masters had shoes. And they didn't know if they were going to get shoes in this life, but they knew in the kingdom to come, they would have shoes. This is how it goes. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it for you. I got shoes. You got shoes. All God's children got shoes. When I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my shoes and walk all over God's heaven. You see, my friends, they trusted. They may not have shoes then, but they were going to have shoes in heaven. The widow trusted profoundly in God. That's why she was able to give her last two cents and trust that God was going to provide for the rest. And the third thing that we learn from the widow, my friends, is this. She felt that the work of God was very important. 
The work of the Lord was so important, she was willing to give her last two cents, her last coins, to the temple treasury. The work of the temple was so important that she wanted to give to that. My brothers and sisters, what about us? When we give, do we truly believe in God's work? Do we truly believe that the Lord's work is making a difference as the kingdom of God is breaking into this world? I have a friend of mine who is a financial planner. He's also an ordained deacon in Texas. And so one day he was telling me this story. A couple, a husband and wife, came to his office to receive financial planning advice. He knew them already because they went to the same Catholic church and they were very involved. And so as they sat down, he asked them, as he often does people, what are your goals? What are your aspirations? And he, as, he, as he asked the question, he sort of listened to everything that they wanted to do and places that they wanted to go and their financial security and how they wanted to help the church and their, the ministries they were in, etc. And after he let them speak, he took out a sheet of paper and he placed the paper on the table and he drew a box at the top. And on the side of the box, he wrote two words. And the two words were Jesus and money. And he said to them, now I want you to tell me which is most important. Jesus or money? What do you want to put in the box? Because whatever you put in the box, that's how I'm going to tell you to plan for your financial future. Is Jesus more important to you? Is the work of the kingdom more important? Or is storing up your money more important? Now there was silence for about five minutes. They weren't expecting that kind of advice. But after the silence, they chose that Jesus should be in the box and not the money. My brothers and sisters, all of us have that imaginative box. What are we going to put in it? What is more important to us? The work of the kingdom? Our own plans and ambitions, etc. I was reading last night from a particular author, and this is a direct quote. He writes this. Every church and chapel in which we have ever celebrated Eucharist, every church organ that has lifted our spirits, every pew where we have sat, Every communion rail where we have knelt, every hymnal from which we have sang, every choir that has touched our hearts, every church cafeteria where we have gathered with our friends, every church schoolroom that has educated our children, every church activity that has formed and informed our faith, all are the fruits of someone's extravagant generosity. We have been the recipients of grace upon grace. We are the heirs, the benefactors of those who have come before us, and we were touched by the generosity of Christ even to give graciously so that we could experience the truth of Christ for ourselves. We owe the same to generations to come. You see, my brothers and sisters, the widow, in that very short excerpt from the gospel, offers us many lessons there in how we should live our life of discipleship. When it comes to our generosity, when it comes to our sacrificial spirit, we have to always remember, my friends, the Lord does not measure how much we give. The Lord measures how much we have left over.